You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Every day in prayer, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee, and want to live my life that way. I love that song, and uh, I was thinking about this last Sunday. We had on Sunday, with the exception of Easter, we had our highest attendance since COVID ended. Well, has COVID ended? I mean, like it seems like, I feel like it has for sure, but some people don't feel like, I think some people think it's going to last for, for, you know, to the end of times, but uh, it's a, it was a great service on Sunday. Very thankful for that. Uh, but Ephesians chapter 4, who needs to fill in the blank sheet tonight? Okay, we got a couple here. We got one, two, three all over here. Anybody else we missing? Fill in the blank sheet. Okay, how about a pen? Anyone else besides those three? Good. All right. How many of you could use one of those pumpkin spice thingies I was talking about earlier? All right, yes. All right, that's my crowd. It's good. I don't even drink coffee, but I love the pumpkin spice stuff, so i got to find something to throw it in there with, but uh, I just love the fall, and so every year our family does all, has all these traditions for fall, and one of my favorites is uh, we do a, a uh, what's our baking, is it just family baking competition? All right, so at the end of the month, we'll do a family baking competition, and for the past like four years, it's been guys versus girls, or three years, I guess, guys versus girls. And uh, you won't believe who wins every year, the girls. Uh, but anyway, they, uh, I, every year I think, we got this one. But I, I really, my wife puts it to a vote online, and I'm pretty sure she, since, you know, she's the one that puts it out there, that somehow she's cheating. Because, I mean, our, uh, the guy stuff, Titus, hasn't our stuff been amazing? It's been amazing, all right? One year we did caramel apples. I'm, we made the caramel. We got Mrs. Kubachek's recipe for caramel, and we made it. We did. We had white chocolate on there. We decorated them, and uh, then we uh, one time we, last year we made these pumpkin twists, like the dough. You, you twist it, and you put the pumpkin sauce in it. The pump. It was so good. We lost. We lost again and again. But but I think this is our year. I'm gonna go buy some uh, a pie from uh, Polly's Pies and be like, look what we made. And so we're gonna win this year. It'll be great. So if you vote online. If you're one of those that vote on, the, uh, on my wife's Instagram or whatever, come see me first, and I will tell you what we made, all right? And then I will, I will bribe you somehow. But anyway, Ephesians chapter 4, how did I get into that? No idea, no idea at all. You'll notice our, our uh, newly painted auditorium again here, and uh, Brother Josh and Brother Doug painted that so that on friend day it doesn't look absolutely horrible because we're still trying to get... Uh, this all figured out how we're going to do it and everything. So the plans are still going. So thank you guys for doing that. And uh, it does look better. And in fact, I kind of like the two tones. It looks kind of looks kind of interesting. I don't know what we're doing here, but uh, yeah, there it is. I think we're just going to do like pink and blue. I don't know what we're going to do. It's going to be great. So Ephesians chapter number four. I want you to look here, and if you've got your film, the blank sheet, tonight I want to talk to you about relationships. And I didn't give it a clever title, I just want to talk about relationships tonight and the importance of them, and I kind of draw your attention to a couple of things biblically here. But if you would, look at Ephesians chapter number 4, and we're going to just really 
read just a couple verses here and there to get the idea of what we're seeing here in this passage. Look, if you would, at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That's dealing with relationships. For there is one body, one spirit, even as ye are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, uh, and the Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Okay, we're talking about relationship with God. Look at chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God. Again, there's our relationship with God. Walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Okay, again, our relationship with the Lord is being mentioned. We jump down to verse number uh, 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye the light, uh, now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Look, if you would, down further, verse 10, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. You know, oftentimes we want to say, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with this as we seek to do something? But really, we ought to be proving what's acceptable. And we ought to be asking God, what's right with this, what I'm doing? Is there anything right with this? That's the correct way. That was free on the side there, okay? But then it says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Uh, and then if you jump down here, we're just reading again some of these random ones there. And uh, verse number 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. <coughs> verse 17, wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father. So again and again and again, we're seeing uh, through this passage of Scripture relational commandments that are being given. Let's keep going. Verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. It's a relationship with one another. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now we have wife-husband relationship. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of the body. And then look at verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So relationships. So ought men, verse 28, to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife uh, uh, loveth himself. Jump down, if you would, to chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Verse 5, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. So I, I want you to see tonight that if you were saying, okay, where is the, where is the verse that talks about relationships? There's no, there's no quintessential just one verse that deals with relationships. Because relationships are dealt with throughout the entire Bible. It's all about some type of relationship. Look, if you would, at Hebrews chapter 10. Go a couple books to the right there in your Bible. Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. Look at verses 22 through 25 here. So most of what you see in the Bible, especially when it comes to commandments, think about the two greatest commands that God gave and try to convince yourself that those are not about relationships. What did he say? He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's a relationship. And then he says, love others as yourselves. These are relationally-based commands that God has given. 
So chapter, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful to promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaches. So I want to talk about relationships tonight. Let's pray together as we get started. Our Father, we ask for your blessing upon the message tonight, that you'd give us instruction, you'd, but you'd also bring conviction where we need that, bring change where we need that. Lord, bring encouragement where we need that. I just pray that you'd minister to our hearts in the way that we need, that we may be right with you, serving you with our full hearts, God. Help us with that tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you look down here again, we saw here, in Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 24, let us consider one another. The word consider means to observe fully. Let us, you know, we're, we're thinking about other people and then to provoke unto love and to good works. Now, we've all known people in our lives that love to provoke us, not unto love and to good works, but to provoke. On Sunday, I was a bit of a provoker. I was provoking our Dodger fans in here, and I felt guilty about that. And that wasn't very, very Christian of me, but neither are the Dodgers. But anyway, that I, I felt bad because I was like, you don't kick a person when they're down. I mean, I'm a Cubs fan. I've been down for 108 years, you know, so I, I don't have any right to be kicking people. So, but, but we know people that like to provoke us. I had a, a roommate in college that was the most... Uh, he, he would provoke anyone to fight. To, uh, he was like a little, a little devil in the room, like tr constantly trying to get you to do something there. But in this instance, it is the only time in the Bible where this word is used in a positive sense. The word provoke here. And it says that us to provoke unto love and good works. Look at your sheet there. It means to incite to good. To uh, incite to good. To stimulate. To motivate we ought to be motivating one another to good works, stimulating to good works. So, again, I'm just showing you that there are verses throughout the entire Bible that tell us the importance of relationships. Relationships. Most people have no idea how to have a good relationship. We've been so messed up by our world. We've been so brainwashed by what, uh, 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 you know, by... Fox or, or CBS or, or Netflix or whatever station that says this is how a relationship is supposed to look, you know, and the broken lives and broken families that are represented online, the, the soap opera mentality where we, we uh, cheat on this person and go to this person, these, these relationships that we're getting, that we're seeing from the world, they're so different. They're so different than what we had in our country even 50 years ago when it was the Andy Griffith show. Now, I'm not saying those were the good old days, but I was literally thinking about this. On Sunday, was it this Sunday? I talked about a, uh, or I think it was the Sunday before that, I talked about a TV show I used to watch in the 90s that was a ripoff of Saved by the Bell. And I had several people, some people in our church come up and say, Pastor, I bet it was this. And they said, I was like, yeah, you got it right. You watched t Heathen TV too. Good for you. But uh, I remember thinking about the shows that even I grew up, I'm an 80s kid. I, I was born in 84, right? So I grew up in the, in the 80s watching cartoons and, and in the 90s and, and, uh, and probably in the 2000s a little bit too when I was, you know, but... Uh, I remember the shows that I watched as a kid. The big thing 
like the biggest event that could ever happen on one of the shows that I would watch growing up was if the main character guy kissed the main character girl. Like just a quick peck. It was like, wow! And that was like provocative almost. And if you look at what we have seen in our country, our, our country seems to have no idea, not just our country, our world, about how to have healthy relationships. We're messing it up. And, uh, and, and people struggle with this. People struggle with openness. They struggle with trust. They struggle with honesty. They struggle with conflict resolution. And here's the thing. Write this in if you would, please. Because relationships are bad, life can seem pretty bad. When all of your relationships are not going well, you know what, it, you know what life feels like? It feels like life's not going well. Say, uh, how, how, do you, how do you explain that? Okay, if your relationship with your spouse is really going poorly, and your relationship with your kids is really going poorly, and your relationship with your boss is really going poorly, and your relationship with the IRS is, okay, or whatever, but uh, your relationship with everybody in life is going poorly. You know what life feels like? It's going poorly. You can have $5 million in the bank, but if all your relationships are torn apart, it feels like life is torn apart. Why? Because relationships are so important to our lives. We are relational creatures. And, and, and so, and, and why do we struggle with openness and trust and honesty and conflict resolution? Because this world has hurt so many people. Everybody in this room has suffered something. Everybody in this room has gone through some kind of trauma, some kind of hurt from others. And so because of that, we have trouble with relationships. Have you ever witnessed? Have you ever witnessed? And, maybe, and, and not like it was you and your spouse, but have you ever witnessed a fight between a husband and wife? In public, man, it's ugly. I've seen many times, I've seen people, a man and wife, screaming at each other outside of an Arco gas station one time. You see that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's selfish, it's fleshly, it's ugly. We have problems related to people. How many of you in here have ever gotten in a fight with your best friend? You ever gotten in a fight with your best friend? Okay, some of you are so self-righteous, I tell you. You didn't even raise your hands. You know what? I don't believe you. No, I'm just kidding. But um, I did. I got in a fight, punched my best friend in the nose twice when I was a kid. That's not a good thing to do, you know, when I was 11. And, 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 and that's not the, the, the wise thing, right? But we've all dealt with relationship issues. What are relationships? Okay, on your sheet here. Associations, connections, interactions, relations. Let me give you some observations here quickly. Number one. Relationships have the power to define you, define you, for good or bad. Here's what I'm trying to say. You will be known and remembered by your relationships. You will be remembered in your family, not by the amount of money that you had, and not by the cool collectible ship in a bottle on your shelf. They will remember how you treated them. They will remember how you died. They will remember if they had something against you and you had something against them. You will be remembered by your relationships. Are you argumentative? Is that how you will be remembered? Are you selfish? Is that how you'll be remembered? Are you controlling? Are you passive aggressive? Are you kind and thoughtful and spiritual? Okay, help me with this, just really quickly here. Let's think about some Bible characters. Uh, let's talk about King David, right? One of, the, one of the great Bible characters. We all love King David, right? 
Tell me the three biggest events in David's life. Just, I mean, whatever comes to mind when you say, tell me about the life of David, the, the three biggest events in his life. Probably we would say, oh, just, just say one. David and Goliath, David and Bathsheba, and what was the other one? I heard somebody say something else, right? Okay, so those two. Let's just take those two. You've got David and Bathsheba, you've got David and Goliath, and maybe you would say the psalmist, right? I mean, maybe that would come to mind that, that he wrote all these psalms and he had a deep love for God. He was a Psalm 23 author. Okay, so if you took those three things, that are the biggest things about David's life, what do you get from all three of those? Relationships. You get, he was remembered for his relationships. He was remembered for his relationship with God. We have the Psalms and David's heart for God and how he cried out for God. He was thirsty for God. Uh, uh, you know, we have Psalm 23. We have all these Psalms and seek ye my face. You know, my, when, when you said, seek my face, Lord, I, my spirit said, thy face will I seek. And all these verses of David, his relationship with God. We remember his relationship with the enemy. David and Goliath. That was a relationship. He was defending his God, right? But he was, there was an enemy relationship. Then with Bathsheba, that was a spousal and an extramarital spousal relationship there. So what we would be remembered by, defined by, is our relationships. Number two, relationships have the power to direct you. To direct you. Proverbs 13, 20, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. But a companion of fools should be destroyed. You walk with dumb people. I'm not going to finish that, all right? But uh, you walk with wise people, you wind up doing wise things. You wind up getting wisdom. If you walk with people that are against God and that are, are, are just doing foolish things, how many people have gotten in trouble with the law and have gotten in trouble in school because they were just with someone who did something foolish? I have. I got sent to the principal's office just because I was with somebody that did something foolish, right? And, and, and so we see this. Look at 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So get around those people that are calling upon God, that are following righteousness and faith. Because why? Because relationships have power to direct our lives. Get around people uh, that are right with God and your, and your life will change for the better. Get around people that, uh, uh, if you get around the wrong crowd, your life changes for the worse. And it always bothers me, I always wonder why some Christians want to spend time, more time with unsaved people than they, do want, than they want to spend at church. It always bothers me why, why Christians want to spend more time with worldly Christians than they want to do at church. And I think that's, that's, not, a good, that's not a good direction. And your friend, our friends, our acquaintances, they direct our path in that way. Amnon had a friend. Amnon had a friend. Got him to do something he never would have done without that, without that friend's encouragement. David and Jonathan, great friendship. And they, they, they encouraged each other. So there's absolutely a lot of this stuff here that, that we could talk about for a long time. The relationships have the power to direct us, to define us. But thirdly, relationships have the power to delight or destroy us. To delight or destroy us. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. I think of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Evil, evil companionships is really what the word means. Companionships corrupt good morals. So, you, you know, you go the wrong way when you have the wrong friends is simply what that is saying there. 
And so many people, men and women, have seen, and teens, have seen their lives and their families destroyed by one relationship, one decision that they made. So our relationships are very important. Third John 4, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. So great joy comes from that. I, I love going home to my family. I, I love walking out of here and, and, and walking five houses down and looking forward to going in and being with my family. I'm glad I'm not like, Ugh. you know, I've got to take off here and go back to the old ball and chain at home, you know, good night, and those ragamuffin kids that just won't shut up. You know, I'm glad that uh, that's only one time a week. No, I'm kidding. But uh, no, I'm glad that, I'm so glad that, that I get to go home and there's, and there's peace, and we're not perfect. I mean, you know us. <laughs> We're not perfect, but, but I love being able to go home and be with my family, and uh, there's a delight there, because, and I'll tell you what, though, and though we are not perfect, though, and I am not perfect by a long shot, we work very hard on our relationships at our house. We work very hard at our relationships, and there's delight there because of that work, and, uh, you know, I remember going to, uh, well, I'll tell you that story in just a minute there. But relationships have the power to define you, to direct you, to delight, destroy. So because of that, relationships involve decisions. So you've got to make some decisions about your relationships. And there are some relationships that are given to you. You can't choose who your parents are. You can't choose who your kids are. You get those. That's just who you get. But uh, you, you can't choose that. So some relationships are given by birth. Some relationships are given by obligation. You can't fire your boss. You know, you, you're going to have that, that relationship at work, that boss, that obligation there. And then others, you have a choice. You do legitimately have a choice. There are people that you know that if you wanted to, if you wanted to, you could just say, no more, and that's it. The relationship's done and it's over. So there are some relationships that you can change and some you can't. One of the most smartest decisions I ever made was when I went to college. I remember going in and looking around and thinking, okay, who do I want to be like? And I remember looking through the college and looking around. I saw the kids on the back. I told you this before. I saw the kids on the back row, you know, slouched down and, you know, didn't even look like they wanted to be there, weren't singing, you know, on the edge with everything. And I saw the kids on the front row. They were picking their nose and throwing their Bible. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to be the, you know, the weirdos. And I don't want to be the guys in the back. But, you know, and there's, there's always random different people there, you know. And, and, but I saw some, but when I looked around, I saw some genuine, sincere Christians. They were not the loud ones. They were not the ones getting called up to pray. And they weren't the popular ones. But I looked at those people and I said, you know what, though? I see them serving every week, and I see their heart for God, I want that to be my friend. And I thank God, I, I don't know how, I don't know who gave me the wisdom to do that, God did, but, but who gave me counsel to do that, but I'm thankful I did because I look at most of my friends from Bible college, they're in the ministry. We support some as missionaries. Uh, they're, they're pastors, they're youth pastors, they're, they're serving places, and I thank God for that. And there's others that uh, I could tell horror stories about, but, but that was a smart decision for me because I was new and I needed good friends. You don't, you don't always get to choose your friendships, but you do get to choose your attitude and behavior within those friendships. You're married to your spouse. Guess what? You don't get to choose, if you're following the Bible, that you're going to just end this thing for no reason whatsoever. No, you, you, have, to, you have to choose your attitude. You, you, teenagers don't choose your parents, right? They're, they were given to you. But you do choose your attitude and your behavior. 
Here's Saul, you know, in, in 1 Samuel trying to kill David with a javelin. I mean, just throwing javelins at David, and yet David would not lift up his hand against Saul when he had an opportunity to kill him. He chose his behavior. By the way, let me just say this, we're getting into this. Don't, don't be a lone wolf. I've said that many times, but don't be a lone wolf or a lone couple in church. You, you, know, you need fellowship, and you need ministry, and you need to be involved. We did this whole ministry expo. It was so funny, because I talked to two of our younger, our college and career age people uh, this past Sunday, and I said, hey, guys, you know, they were in my youth department for years, years ago, and I said, uh, did, you, did you see anything in the ministry expo that you wanted to get, be involved in? And they were like, what's the ministry expo? And I was like, what? And they were like, what's the ministry expo? We, we should know this, huh? And I was like, yes, you should know this. <laughs> so I briefly explained it to them. I said, I'm going to be sending you some stuff, all right? And I want you signing up for something. Why? Because people get busy and they fall out of church. And if they're not tight and connected, no one misses them. And when no one misses them, it communicates no one cares about them. Because we're, we're, you know, we're not a, a, a tiny church where there's 20 people and we all know when we're there or not. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But, uh, but we need to get involved in ministry. It, it's helpful. You know, I read a, 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 a scientific study that said that men who are married live longer. Men who are married live longer. Married men with cancer live 20% longer. All women tend to live longer, but the, 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 the consensus to that was that women are usually better with relationships. And uh, we need relationships. You won't make it in church if you don't cultivate relationships. So let me give you a couple just important things about relationships here. And we're here, here's where I really want to just focus in for a few minutes and, and kind of just drive some thoughts home to you, okay? Some foundational truths about relationships. Number one, and I've taught this for years, but I'll continue to teach these thoughts, relationships are the key to life relationships are the key to life say well pastor about what about you know about god is the key to life your relationship with god is first and foremost it's in that it's included what do i mean by the key to life what i mean is is life is made up of your relationships no one in here is the no one in here is the last man on earth Okay, so the other day our kids were like, Dad, what's the twilight zone? And so they were asking me in faith, and, and, uh, and so we told them a little bit, and they were like, can we watch it? My wife said, turn it on. And so we found like the first two episodes of Twilight Zone. And, uh, you know, Rod Serling, you know, smoking like 86 cigarettes every episode, you know. <laughs> what in the world is this guy doing? Black and white. Before the moon landing, okay? This is how long ago it was. Seriously, it's in the 50s. And they had the second episode, I think it was, or the first episode. Uh, first episode was a guy who was in a town, and he thought he was the last man on earth. He goes into the bookstore, and right there there's a book, and it's called The Last Man on Earth. And he's like, <sighs> and he starts, you know, having a fit. Turns out, you know, they were preparing. He was in a capsule preparing for going to the moon, and he was going to be alone for two and a half weeks. And he went kind of crazy. And, and, uh, and again, this is before they even went to the moon, which is kind of funny. But uh, nobody is that guy. Nobody is the last man on earth. We all have relationships to God, to parents, to siblings, grandparents, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, cousins, siblings, bosses, teachers, friends, enemies, the person you see at your grocery store that greets you every time you go in. Uh, you know, you, have, you even have a relationship with food. 
All right? We all have relationships in life. And here's what I'm saying by that, that relationships are the key to life. If we can figure out our relationships, we can avoid a lot of heartache in life. And life can be a joy. Life can be a joy. You have to deal with people. You've heard pastors say, the ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. Well, guess what? You got to deal with people. I know we're trying to do everything online nowadays, but you're going to have to deal with human beings, you know, until Jeff Bezos figures out a way for a drone to come and put stuff on your doorstep and feed you or whatever, you know, all this stuff, you're going to have to deal with humans, and that's, that's how God created it. No one here is going to be a hermit in the mountains, probably, and if you were, you're still supposed to have a relationship with God. Relationships are, are unescapable. The Carnegie Technological Institute has stated that 90% of all people who fail in their life's vocation fail because they can't get along with people. So 90% of the people that fail at their job or what they were called to do, their vocation in life, they fail because they can't get along with people. You think about this. Some of the most famous books that are written are about relationships. How to win friends and influence people. Developing the leader within you, Dale Carnegie and John Maxwell, and all these, all these relationship books, because life is about relationships. Number two, communication is the key to relationships. This is almost a joke with some of our, our teenagers, because I, I, I went to, uh, I was talking to one of our teenagers recently, and uh, he's a, a youth pastor at another church in the area, actually, and uh, I was talking with him, and he said, you know what I've been teaching the teenagers around here? I've been teaching them that communication is the key to every relationship. And I said, my youth pastor used to say this all the time, because I taught it so many times, you know, uh, years ago, that communication is the key to relationships. Where there is no communication, relationships die. Let me prove it. Husbands and wives, if you don't talk for a week, do you think your relationship is good? The men are like, yes. It's perfect. The women are like, no. It's not, you know, if children and, and, and teenagers and your parents, if you never communicate, do you have a great relationship with your parents? Don't shake your head yes. The answer is no. You don't have a great relationship if you don't talk to your parents. And yet teens go into their cave. They come home and they go hibernate in their cave and they never communicate and talk. That relationship is struggling. You're going on, you're starting to date someone. You want the relationship to go fast? Talk more. Spend more time together. The relationship will go super fast. You want the relationship to go slow? Talk less. Spend time apart more. Because relationships, it's a gas pedal. The more you communicate, the better your relationship, the faster it'll go. Your relationship with God. Is your relationship with God good because you never talk to him? No, your relationship with God grows and deepens the more communication you have. The more he talks to you, the more you listen, and the more you talk to him. So this communication aspect is so important. That's why husbands and wives, you need time to just talk. Every, you see how no man amen that in here right now? Because guys, we're not wired that way normally, but, but we, you need communication. And not like, what's the agenda for today? 8.45 a.m., I'm going to have my cup of coffee. Is that on your schedule? Good, it's on mine too. I'm going to have the muffin. I don't want to go with bran because i got a long drive today. But what do you got going on? No, that's not, it's not schedule reflecting. It's, it's, it's communication. It's talking. You need date nights. You need time together. Uh, uh, parents need to go sit in their kid's bed, their, their teenager's bed, and just talk to them. 
Spend time with them. Hey, run an errand with dad. Come, let me show you how to do this. Time. Time together. Communication. <clears throat> There's people that I went to high school with that, and college with that, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be friends forever. I haven't talked to them in 15 years. You know, we're not close anymore. Why? Because we don't talk in 15 years. Now I see them, I'm like, oh, you have six kids? I didn't even know. You know, like, because we're not talking. Relationships grow with more communication. Number three, and here's what I want you to listen to. The, the rest of the stuff I know you weren't listening to. So this one, I want you to listen to, okay? Relationships are essential for strong churches and strong disciples. Relationships are essential for strong churches and strong disciples. We just started GBC teams, get somebody Baptist Church teams. Many or most of you in here are on a team. Some of you are not on a team, but you ought to be on a team, right? And uh, hopefully team leaders are, are communicating with you and they've been doing that. If you're not on a team and you wanna be on one, come see us, we'll put you to work, we'll get you involved in a ministry. Why are we doing that? Why are we having 18 new teams and, and all of this kind of stuff going on in our church? Is it just because I don't want to do any more work? Is that what it's about? Is it about, you know, that uh, uh, yeah, work needs to be done, so it is a little bit about the work of the ministry, but the other reason is because we want to build godly relationships among Christians. And one of the best ways to, to, to really get to know someone is to get in the trenches and work with someone. And that's how you can form connections. That's how you can be connected with people. Relationships are how we assimilate. Listen, listen, please listen to this. Relationships are how we assimilate and tie people into our church. I'm always worried about the people who are isolated away from everybody else and they're not connected with anybody. Their only connection to church is me. And they know me because they or, or one of you, and that's the only, I worry about them. Why? Because it's so easy to slip away. Because they're not, they're not tied in. Though every relationship that comes in is another hook in that person. And I don't mean like, you know, just to keep them here, but it, it, it ties them into church the more people they're connected to. And that is super important. Relationships are how we keep people that walk through the door. So if we're not a friendly church and we're not meeting people, we're not talking to people, we're not saying, hey, come sit with me and, and, and let me introduce you to my friends and, and getting people to feel a part of our, uh, of our church, if we're not tying them in, why would they stay? Because think about this with me. When, when churches aren't good at connecting with people or connecting people to other people, that church is communicating we don't care. Let me say that again. If a church is not good at connecting people or connecting with people, what that church is saying is we don't care. Now, I don't think that's true. I think most churches care. I think every one of you care. I think everybody in this room cares that we have visitors coming and that we keep them, we tie them in, not just so we can tick off another number on the look how great we are list. That's not about it, but just so, because we'll have more laborers to accomplish things for God and we can help that person become a better disciple for Jesus Christ. That's the goal. Yes, that's the goal of what we're doing here. And all of us want that. But that also means we have to be willing to be the connector. Brother Brian, can you come help me for a second here? So I have, uh, I have oh, two wires here. and There's actually one wire. And you know what this is here? 
this is a wire connector, and I have the professional here to show us how to do this, okay? Everyone's judging you. No one will hire you if you do not get it right, okay? But, but what does a wire connector do? So we've got two wires. There it is. It's, it's, it's easy as that. The professional, the general contractor. Thank you. Give him a, there you go. Give him a round of applause, right? Some of you just learned how to do some lights in your house right there, okay? But you know what everybody in this room is supposed to be? That little thing right there where you're taking one that's out on the edge over here somewhere that maybe doesn't have friends yet, and you're taking this person and you're saying, hey, have you guys met? Hey, have you, have you met my pastor? Have you met my Sunday school teacher? Have you, oh, oh I found out that, that, oh, you work there? We got another guy that works there. Come here, let me introduce you to this guy. And what are you doing? You're connecting people. This is what you're supposed to be, a connector, all right? I have one for everybody. No, I wish I, I, wish I would have. But that's what we're supposed to We're supposed to be people connectors. Everyone here, every leader of every ministry, all of you ministry leaders that just signed up, hey, I'm going to be in charge of this and this and this. Guess what you're supposed to be? We didn't put you in there just to be a leader, but, and we're going to be working with this in the leadership meeting, but, but you're there as a connector to say, hey, come work in the trenches with us, and let's get you tied in. That's what it's supposed to be. So under, understand that, okay? Um, people leave church when all of their uh, connections start to pass away. When all of their uh, connections to people falter and fail. We're no longer talking. We don't sit with this person. That person moved away. I'm no longer going to Sunday school. I'm not involved in this ministry. You know what that person is? They are one step away from being out of church. And do you think they're going to go to another church, or do you think they're just going to go home and we're just going to be online watchers? They're online. Sometimes. Maybe. So what I'm saying is all of us have got to get it into our heads that we are people connectors. We're not click formers. We're not doing it to form clicks and to say, well, now I've got my little group over here and I'm all set. No, 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 no. We're making connections so people can feel a part. It's like, did you ever go to a new school growing up? like a new high school, a new middle school or something, you just longed. It would have been so great if you had like one friend who went with you. But you walk in there. I, hey, my, we moved a lot because my dad worked for the military. So I'm going to different schools all the time. I'm all, and I'm an introvert. And I'm going to the new places and I'm sitting there quiet. I'm like, oh, you know, don't, and I'm scared. And what I wanted was just one person to just come over, some extrovert to come find me and be like, hey, come with us, right? We have got to be that way in church. Okay, to be connectors to people. Because here's what we're doing. We're not, please understand this, we're not just connecting one person with another person. We're trying to connect people with God. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get people connected so that we can be more connected to God. And if people are getting involved in church and they're here Sunday morning and Sunday night and they're here Wednesday night and they're going uh, on activities now and they're involved in ministry, guess what's happening? They're getting more and more spiritual input into their life. And that is such an important thing. Can I encourage you? Learn how to introduce people. Have you met so-and-so? Learn how to introduce people. Learn how to make connections. Connect people. Don't isolate people. Don't make them feel like uh, they're unwanted or you don't like them or whatever. Don't do that. You're hurting the church. 
bring people together. That helps, okay? Our job is to connect people with one another and connect people with God. That was probably the most important thing I said tonight, so I hope you were paying attention to that. Number next, let me say this, and I'll go quickly through these. Relationships need to be prioritized. They need to be prioritized. Matthew 6, 33, we know, and I just realized that that clock on my wall is 12 minutes slow, folks. So that's what I've been looking at this whole time. I just glanced at my phone and saw what time it was. Here we go. Fill in the blanks as fast as you can. Prioritize your relationships, folks. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's what God said. So he's telling you how to do things right. Brief applications. Here it is. Treasure your relationships more than your possessions and accomplishments. Don't wait till it's too late to learn that lesson, please. Treasure your relationships more than your... I worked so hard while my kids were young, and I built all this, but you didn't have a relationship with your kids, and now that they're adults, they don't want a relationship with you. And if that, if, if that is what happened in your life, I'm not trying to, to, to make you feel bad or whatever, because I know everybody in here, you're working at relationships with your, with your kids and your family. What I'm saying is don't... That, that's, you would probably agree that's not the way to do it. Treasure relationships more than possessions and accomplishments. Number two, consider other people, not yourself first. Go read Philippians 2, 2 through 4. Let, let uh, each esteem other better than themselves. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Selfishness is a killer of relationships. You know what, I read a quote, and it said, do what you did in the beginning of a relationship, and there won't be an end. Oftentimes, we, we try to woo our spouse, and we finally get that spouse, and then it's like, all right, I got him. Do what you did in the beginning, and there won't be an end. Number three, be a provoker to good works, not to evil works. Hey, aren't you glad I caught that that, watch, that clock is 12 minutes fast or slow? Aren't you glad I caught that? Because I would be preaching for 10 extra more minutes here. All right, no one's thankful. Next time I'm going to set it back 20. That's fine. Number four, look for ways to connect. Look for ways. Pastor, I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert too. I've told you before, the hardest part of my job sometimes to me is, is introducing myself to new people on Sunday morning. That's a strange thing for you to hear probably, but it's hard. But I do it because I want to connect people. And so look for ways to connect. Look for ways to connect with others. Look for ways to connect new people. Look for ways to connect with God. Look for ways to connect others with God. Look for ways to do that. How are your relationships tonight? Are you, and here's the last two blanks, are you connecting people or isolating people? You're making them feel like they're not wanted. You're not even shaking their hand. You're ignoring them. That's not how it ought to be. We are to connect people, not isolate. And don't be looking at, yeah, people do that to me. Don't, don't be that victim. Be the one that says, you know what, I'm going to connect others. I'm going to do that. Let's practice putting others first. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Father, thank you for tonight. Lord, thank you that I caught that the time was just about up there. But I pray that tonight you'd help us to, to really focus.